You're listening to a Sin podcast made by young people at the Student Youth Network. For more Sin goodness, head to sin.org.au. Saturday night. I could make you something. A dress can't change anything. Watch and learn, Gert. Watch and learn. I can make you the most striking girl in the room. Take your clothes off. A murderer and a lesbian. Who is that? Stunning. I'd like to order some daywear. Is that Dior? She saw the whole thing. I think Tilly understands my particular body shape. She certainly does. Go on, make them their dresses. Make them think they're classy. They'll still hate you. She murdered him. She's cursed. They'll never forgive me. Why didn't you tell me? You're wasted here. I think we should run away together. This is just a pack of lies! I'm back, you bastard. Stop her, charge her. Is what? Sitting? You could be married in this suit. Snapped up by some eligible spinster or hag. Trousers off too? Yes. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Underrated Rotten Movies podcast, where we examine films that are really good, that are worth your time, and are not according to Rotten Tomatoes. Just trying to break down that stigma of... Oh, I'm not going to watch that because it's run on Rotten Tomatoes. These are all films, the ones we're talking about, that are worthy of your time, worthy of your attention. And today's film is The Dressmaker. And today's interviewee is Atusa. How are you doing, Atusa? I'm very well, Michael. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So today's uh, movie, The Dressmaker, is about fashion. And I thought I'd bring you on because I know you very well. You're very much into fashion. So, yeah, I was just wondering if you could... Yeah, just pitch it to the listeners as far as, yeah, what your experience in the world of fashion is. Absolutely. Um, I'm a freelance fashion writer and enthusiast. Um, I moved to Melbourne in 2004 um, in order to obtain my um, fashion degree at RMIT. And since then, I've been actually working in the field actively, Um, whether it was working with Australian designers or uh, being in the field of training. Um, and then later on in life, I went back and I did my marketing degree. I did a marketing course, got my marketing degree, and so I've sort of merged these two, and I'm at the moment working.
um, in a retail environment. A couple of years ago, I started started doing my journalism course at Prolapse. Same here. <laughs> I guess that's, that's how we know each other. I guess so. Um, and then since then, I started a platform called Mott Muse to basically combine my love for writing and my passion for fashion into one curated place. And at the moment, I'm producing a podcast who's, well, named Creative Union is the Essence, and it's based on, um, we interview creative um, people in the industry. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah that sounds great. Uh, so... Being kind of an expert on fashion, obviously you can speak to the fashion within this movie, The Dressmaker. It won the, the Actor Award for Best Costume Design. And, yeah, I just wanted your perspective on how well done you think the costumes are and what they kind of what they say about the movie itself. Um, so the costume designers behind the movies are boys, Wilson and Thompson. Uh, which I think in overall they did an amazing, spectacular job. Um, every single costume that's uh, basically showcased in the movie um, has a good um, relationship with the characters wearing it in a way that the costumes are representing the personality of the people. Yeah, exactly. Well, a great uh, example of that is there's a scene in the film uh, with a character named uh, Gertrude and she enters the ball and she's got this amazing uh, dress that Kate Winslet's uh, Tilly mm-hmm. made for her and uh, with Tilly as our main character. And, yeah, I you know, couldn't have noticed that, yeah, the dress is green because that's what that's she is. She's she a is, naive, yeah. green young person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's definitely true. And also, um, not to forget about the whole avant-garde appearance of each and every single um, costume. The silhouettes, the textures, the colours, everything's so um, perfectly tanned. And um, personally, I think the costumes were phenomenal. Yes, yeah, same here. No, uh, no argument here. Yeah, I just thought I'd uh, touch upon that because fashion is such a key element of the film, obviously, with Tilly being having gone away and become a fashion designer and coming back, and that's what she contributes to the dynamic of the town. I mean, it's even in the, the tagline of the film. The tagline is secrets, gossip and scandal are back in fashion. That's right. Um, and when you think about it, um, well, all those three works carry quite a um, sort of like gloomy um, definition behind them. Mm. And um, the reality is that fashion can sometimes be gloomy. And designers can have secrets. If we go back to um, Coco Chanel, she started as a um, dancer in a cabaret, and that's how she's got the nickname Coco. So she always had that sort of dark background um, within herself, and she sort of um, was quite a strong personality, maybe because of her hurdles that she faced towards, you know, in, in her life. Yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting um, with films like that where it's not a biopic as such, but the lead character is definitely inspired by real people and feels like a real person. Absolutely. And, um, yes, Tilly, um, Tilly's character can be definitely... You, you can sort of um, resonate her with being someone, being a real person, 
um, simply because um, I guess that's the whole thing about the world of creativity. Um, many artists, many designers, many um, even musicians that we know throughout the time, they had rough times. Yeah. yeah, rough times. And um, I guess that's what they, that's how they become in individuals. So, in terms of describing this movie to someone who hasn't seen it, I personally would go down the avenue of it's a tragedy, it's a romance, and it's also a dark comedy. I was just wondering, yeah, if you agree with that or if there was another way that you would pitch it to someone who, who isn't familiar with the film. Uh, no, I would call this movie a comedy drama. That's how, would I, I, that's how I would describe it. Um, and I guess that's what makes this movie quite an interesting, unique picture. Uh, merging the two worlds of comedy and drama, it's quite hard. But even think about your um, comedians, stand-up comedians. Um, the best of them are the ones who sort of give you a, um, you know, taste of reality. They create a bitter taste of reality in your mouth, but at the same time, they spice it up with comedy. And they're the one that I think that you're most interested into watching them or going and see them live. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And another... Uh genre that you could throw in there is mystery because yeah the movie really plays with mystery really well obviously you know it's set up that the town resents her for uh killing uh, a schoolboy uh when she was younger and that's why she was sent away and that's why people resent her now and the mystery of it is well did that happen how did it happen is she guilty is she innocent and yeah i just wanted your thoughts on because i i think it's quite intriguing as it goes along, and I was just wondering, yes, you felt that the mystery was, was well done? The mystery is certainly there, as you said. Well, obviously, she, as a child, was accused of a murder. Um, but I don't think that the movie really focuses on uh, finding an answer or a closure for this crime that she's accused of committing. Um, it basically um, focuses on the fact that how people... Uh, from who are from the town have basically took that scandal for granted and accused her for the crime that she never commit, um, committed. And um, but yeah, and they are quite harsh in the way that they're judging Tilly, um, Kate Winslet's kind of character in the movie, and. Um, the mystery for me was mainly Tilly herself. That's the mystery. The rest of it is just a bunch of very um, scandalous, judgy people <laughs> who are basically um, don't even give her the chance to prove her innocence. Um, but yeah, her as a character is definitely a big mystery of this movie. Exactly, yeah. And. You know, leaning into the dark comedy, there's also very uh, traditional comedy. I was just wondering, yeah, we thought of uh, one of my favourite scenes in the film, the football match, where the football players are falling over themselves because, yeah, they just they can't stop looking at it. Yeah. Well, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, there's no denying that, yeah. What's interesting about the movie is you have a scene like that, which, you know, is very believable and it's very realistic, and what it kind of builds to is a very theatrical, very over-the-top, uh, bombastic ending. 
because I was not familiar with anything about the movie going in, so it was a great surprise for me to find that it was, yeah, really building to something very, you know, like it was climactic, as it turns out, yeah. I was just wanting your thoughts on that. Um, the ending is absolutely my favourite part of the movie. Um, I have a flair for drama, and I think it's very dramatic. And um, that's what I really like about it. Also, what I really like about it is that Tilly has this unique style about her. You sort of start to create a recall throughout the movie with her style. Um, the way she carries herself, the way she talks, um, everything sort of um, become all at once to create Tilly as a personality. And she does everything with her style and the last scene when she basically is setting up the town on fire but how she rolls the red carpet for herself and sort of says to the world and here I am um, as I am so take me as I am or watch me as I go um, I found it very um, intriguing mm. I loved it definitely yeah. and before that you know obviously what enables her to destroy the town is the fact that all the townspeople kind of go off on their own adventure. They think that they've been hired to perform in a play and so they, they abandon the town because of that. And it's interesting to watch that scene because they're just hopeless without her. Like, as much as they resent her, as much as they don't want her to be there, they just carry on like headless chickens uh, without her. That kind of leads into another one of my favourite aspects of the film, is her impact on the town, where they don't like her, they don't want her there, they would rather her be gone. But she introduces such a flair that the town didn't previously had. She instills confidence in the townspeople that, that they didn't previously had. And, you know, you have a character like Una, who thinks that she's the start-up competition to Tilly, and a sewing machine doesn't even have a brand, so she goes nowhere. Yeah, I was just wondering if you appreciated that element of the film where they resent her, but they can't really do anything without it. I'm going to go back to the very beginning of the movie, just to answer your question, um, where she basically walks into the pot, um, representing her brand, her trend. Um, so obviously Tilly is this girl who's been sent abroad, um, not upon her wishes, uh, sorry, not upon her wishes, but she basically got exposed to this world of trend, so she started in Paris, being the you know the motherland of fashion. Um, so she brings with herself a new fresh air, and saying that she obviously comes back to this part of the world who is a very small and sectional, not even the world, but even Australia as a country, and the only way that the people can who live in this town can make their mark on the world is that through their um, maybe devious personalities. So she walks into this town who are all, who is a um, jungle of bizarre characters. And um, then she is now their fresh air. Although they completely um, dislike as a person, um, they cannot help it but wonder who she is and what she has and what 
she's going to um, bring to them. And also, Tilia starts to have a very positive impact on all these people, you know. I guess without her even trying, just being herself, she changed the um, etiquette. And it's almost like she um, creates this new stereotype throughout the movie. Um, in my opinion, this particular movie um, has two big parts. The first part is that when Tilly comes back, I think with the background of revenging in her mind, but she realises that maybe she can give and sort of take. She's willing to help them and she's willing to be with them and for them. But the second part of it is that when she realises that these people will go back to being the peasant personalities that they were before she, you know, coming back to her town. And she sort of like loses faith in them and decides to basically then go on and evenly score with them. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned, yeah, the two halves of the movie because that's kind of marked by uh, Teddy, Liam Hemsworth's character, because he is the one who she gravitates towards and kind of gives her that good faith and, you know, that's why her mind is at ease, even though, yeah, she's got this kind of traumatic reason that brought her here, but she's not even thinking about it anymore because she's, yeah, paired with uh, this lover that she now has and and uh, then he dies. And, yeah, she kind of, like you said, loses faith. Do you think Teddy uh, was a good uh, character in the movie, like that he contributed a lot to the narrative? Teddy is a key character to the movie, and as you mentioned, I think in real life as well, um, all of us long, love to be loved, you know. Um, that's the reality of the world, that we like to know that there are people out there that are looking out for us, and they love us, and they care for us, and Tilly didn't have that didn't experience that throughout her upbringing and childhood and even her adulthood. So although that she can come across very confident and very in control, but obviously there is a part of her personality, there is a, there's almost like there is a hole in her soul that Tilly, Teddy helps to fill it in. And um, the scene when they are on the top of the water tank mm. and... Teddy basically said to her that say that you're not a curse because she thinks that she's a curse she thinks that she's this bad, bad omen and she brings this bad omen with herself and that is quite a horrible thing it's sympathetic know? it's horrible to have that vision of yourself you know and um, Teddy basically insists on the fact that she needs to start believing in herself that she's good and she can be bring happiness with her because the reality of it she does she brings a different you know kind of happiness but it's almost like she brings a bit of a color to this town and she doesn't want to say it because she truly believes she's in bad omen mm. and then um, she said well that's the scene when teddy jumps down the hole proving to herself to proving to her that you know so she's not a bad omen but unfortunately he dies and that sort of, it's like it fights against all the hard work that Tilly and Teddy put into this relationship <coughs> that they, you know, exactly. um, built with each other. And then the whole thing has a big twist and she then realises. 
way. And she goes on and tries to um, basically pay back in spades. Mm. Yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, yeah, we've been name-dropping name uh, Kate Winslet and Liam Hemsworth. And uh, my favourite character in the film, Sergeant Ferry, who's played by uh, Hugo Weaving, is another uh, major star. And, yeah, when you look at that, I was just wanting your opinion on, you know, this is a movie that grossed uh, $2 million at the box office, according to Box Office Mojo. And, yeah, I was just wanting your take on, was it the actors? Was it the story? Was it uh, the built-in fan base from the book? This is an adaptation of a 2000 novel called The Dressmaker. Yeah, I was just wondering, do you think it's a combination of all those elements, like the perfect storm that created the box office success of the movie? Absolutely. I think um, when you want to create a good thing, you have to have all the ingredients. It's like cooking, right? Um, so the makers of this film needs to have needed to have all the ingredients and as you mentioned the combination of the cast um i think cast casting of this movie was a great combination of you know having um people like um judy davis which was played playing the role of the mother pretty's mother um performance was a phenomenal uh, but as you mentioned, there was that, and then obviously having the book factor um, under their belt. The whole environment of the movie, you know, being filmed in Australia. Everything, the scenery, um, the supporting actor and actresses, and it put a storyline, you know. The storyline, in my opinion, is um, very neat. Definitely. It's kind of in a storyline that you don't come across very often. I don't think there's any other movie in Hollywood that you can basically um, resonate with the dressmaker. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, because it's a common technique uh, in in pitching films to use reference points and to say, like, oh, it's this movie combined with that movie and or it, or it resembles this movie. Like, you know, it's a very common technique in getting a movie made um, and convincing producers to finance it. Mm. And, yeah, it, just, it would have been interesting to be a fly on the wall at this pitch because there is, like you said, there's no movie that resembles The Dressmaker. It just completely has its own identity, and I think that's why it resonated with audiences on such a large scale. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't know it was that huge. Mm. Like, the scores were quite impressive. Exactly, yeah, because yeah. it was the second highest-grossing Australian film of 2015. Wow. Um, it was only behind uh, Mad Max Fury Road, which was obviously a massive uh, blockbuster. And all-time Australian films, like all of them, uh, in terms of being the highest grossing, yeah, it's at number 13. So it's above a movie called The Dish. The film above it in uh, 12th place is uh, the original Red Dog, which is another example of yeah, like, yeah. a movie that Australians love seeing themselves on screen and yeah, just any culture loves being represented. And uh, yeah, I think that that's yeah, really something to be proud of with, with the movie is that it is Australian, that it, is, that it represents our culture so well and that it kind of represents us in, in the cinematic landscape, I think is something that yeah, is definitely an achievement. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Mm. So in this part of the show, obviously, yeah, the, the whole crux of this series, every movie we discuss is Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. 
it's great. It, it's a good movie. It's a great movie, but it's run on Rotten Tomatoes. It wasn't well received by critics. It's basically at this point that I just wanted to examine the different, the various critiques of the film and just deem them fair or unfair, and our reaction to why it's fair or, or unfair. I would describe the movie as really engaging, and really, it's consistently interesting, is what I would say. But there's a critic on Rotten Tomatoes who feels that it's a dull, plodding bore. I was just wanting your thoughts on that. I watched this movie three times. And all three times, I absolutely enjoyed watching it. Um, if anything, it's definitely not a dull movie. Um, and it's not a bore. Um, there's a lot of emotions involved in this movie. Um in a way that it doesn't give you time to breathe, and that's what I like about it. Um, it engages you every second of, you know, of the of the time that you're viewing the movie. That it's very engaging. Let's put it this way: it's quite engaging, and it's very colourful. So I don't know why. Maybe you should, maybe this year watch it in black and white. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you can always set it to that on your TV. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, it's just that I just don't agree with that language being used in regards to this movie. The use of colour, the use of scenery, just the way everything's put together, how you could look at that visually and say, oh, it's dull. It's like it's the complete opposite of bland. In my opinion, one of the film's strongest attributes is the memorable characters. They all have something, the majority of them have something about them that makes them stand out in your mind. Uh, And... There is a critic on Rotten Tomatoes who describes the movie as one bizarre character after another being introduced. It's a pile-up of eccentricities. I was just wondering, yeah, what you thought of that. Um, I would break this um, comment into two parts. Um, the first part that says one bizarre character after another is introduced, I think that's what makes this movie an individual a unique um, one to watch. And yeah, there are bizarre personalities, but that's what the writers wanted to basically express. Because if they were all normal humans with um, normal personalities, um, would we find them as interesting as we found these bunch of people? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So I think, if anything, that was one of the facts that worked in the movie's benefit. Um, I love it. I love to see people that are more opposite. Um, yeah, that's what makes it more interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Do you agree that the plot is murky? Because I don't at all. No, I don't think it's murky. I think um, there is a good flow into a story. As I said, it's very engaging and um, there's definitely a pattern that carries on a storyline really, really well. So, no, I don't think it's murky. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. So, now, this is actually one of the points we disagree on. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I was just wanting wanting you to um, explain your point of view to the audience because a point of view that I side with um, that was published on Rotten Tomatoes is that it's kind of weird that her love interest is not, like, 
they're not the same age, but they are supposed to be, they're supposed to remember each other from their school days. Uh, and I agree with that. I agree that, yeah, if you, that it's best to just cast actors who are, you know, two or three years um, younger or older than each other to really have that realism. But, yeah, you have a different perspective. I do, and I think we spoke about this part before we go on air. Um, I think that that was what the director wanted to basically achieve. They chose Kate Winslet for a reason, and it was okay for her to look slightly older than all the other ones because she was the one who went through a lot in her life, and I guess in the real world as well. Depends on how life has treated you. You might certainly look older than your, you know, fellow classmates or people who are the same age as you as you are. Um, and I think that's what they're trying to basically achieve here, to look that Kate Winslet, although yeah, she's very stylish and beautiful in appearance, but she's been weathered throughout her life is your sublime, so I'm going to reuse it. No worries. It's um, so um, I think that, um, and it's true, because she, as a child, was accused of being, you know, committing a murder. She can't even remember whether she actually done the crime or not. So subconsciously, she grew up with this um, feeling of guilt. And that can definitely, you know, add a couple more grey hairs to your, you know, set of hair um, and extra um, age lines. Uh, and then she's been sent up road, lived on her own. God knows what happened to her. You know, God knows what she's been up to and how she survived. So I guess in a way it was quite an interesting, actually, detail that if you look at it closely, you then realise she did still look a little bit older than, you know, all the other ones because the other ones been so sheltered and lived their own, lived in their town and their comfort zone, whether she had to be pushed out of it and basically survive on her own. Yeah, no, it's great. Like, I, that, that's what I find really healthy and really interesting about the discussion of films, whether it be on this platform or just any platform, is, yeah, I'd never thought of, I'd never thought of it like that. So, yeah, I just want to thank you for enlightening me to that that um, that idea. But, of course, this is my opinion, so no, it's all, <laughs> people can disagree. All, all, not all opinions are welcome, you know. <laughs> so a criticism that I came across was describing the film as criminally overlong. And I really don't like that because even if I hadn't seen the movie, it's only two hours long. So that's that's your average standard runtime for a film. But having seen the movie... I just think that the runtime is really well utilised, where it's well structured and it's well paced. So I don't understand why, yeah, this critic or any critic would describe it as criminally overlong. I was just wondering, yeah, what your thoughts on the runtime were, and if this, yeah, this man's criticism. Um, to be honest, with you actually reading this comment, it's it's quite funny. Criminally overlong. It's it's an interesting phrase to use. I've never heard of it before. It's like it's almost like or when you're listening to a song and then there's like a silent point and then it rages. 
going to break it into two parts. I don't think it's long. I think it sort of even gives you a breather in a minute, you know, for, for a second. You're like, oh my god, what happened? And then you sort of like, let's see what happens now. Because everything, that's a major turning point. Exactly. Yeah, in the plot, yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, my final question that I just wanted to pose, yeah, do you agree that The Dressmaker is an underrated rotten movie? Do you recommend people go out and, and seek it out? Mm, I don't think it's a rotten movie at all. If anything, it's a phenomenon. Um, and yes, definitely, if you can find a spare minute in your very busy schedule, um, watch this movie. I don't know whether you like to rent it or if you're someone like me who likes to watch it, everything on her iPad. Um, you can also get it from iTunes. Apple TV, yeah. Apple TV, that's right. But definitely, like, I think there's um, several sources you can find the movie from. You can get the movie from. Um, hmm. So, yeah. Well, it's great. I mean, it's easily accessible now. So, you know, obviously, if you miss it in the theatres, you miss it in the theatres. But now that, yeah, the, the, the dressmaker's up to that point in the movie's life cycle where it's just widely available. Um, yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's going to, as the years go on, it's going to, yeah, create more conversation, have more of an impact, be introduced to more people than it was when it was released. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how its legacy that it already has, how that grows as the years go by. Yeah, that would be interesting to watch. Mm, <laughs> definitely. Oh, no worries. I, I just wanted to, yeah, thank you for your insight there, too. So, yeah. And I thank you, Michael, for having me. Not a problem. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to a Sin podcast from sin.org.au. Hope you liked it.